Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. <sighs> Thank you, men, for coming, especially those of you who came last week. Uh, if you're wondering why I said that, you've been schnookered. Uh, I want to say by the Lord. Uh, uh, God has brought you here today. We're talking about husbands today. Last week, we talked about uh, wives. Uh, the previous week, we talked about the partnership of marriage. Um, I want to I want to remind you of some things and just recap some things from the previous few weeks. Uh, I want to warn you against something. If you're married today and uh, your wife came last week or your husband is here this week, um, there's a danger, there's a danger when you hear the word of God together um, that in the weeks to come, uh, you will, you will sin in a way that, that's, I, I would term it spiritual nagging, spiritual nagging. Remember what the pastor said. Remember, you know, maybe you should go read your Bible, Ephesians chapter five. Um, uh, be careful of that. Be careful of that. Um, there, there's this direction as we look at the scripture where as Paul's writing, and then if you look at the first Peter passage, Peter writing, there's this idea that he locks on to wives and he says, I, I want to tell you something directly. Um, and it's for wives. And then as he moves to husbands, he locks on them and he says, I want to tell you something directly. Um, and so don't use that as a hammer to beat one another. Okay. Most of the time when you beat your spouse, it's not a good idea, whether it's in games or with the scripture or anything like that. Okay. That was a great point, huh? You know what I learned in church today? Um, very good. So spiritual nagging, don't do it. Uh, the other thing I want to encourage you about is this. Rome was not built in a day. Um, there's a sense of discouragement as you hear the scriptures. I, I want to tell you that. I want to be honest with you. Uh, maybe last week, um, for you who are wives, you heard that and you're like, wow. Uh, I've failed over and over and over again. Um, I want to encourage you um, that this is a process that God wants to work in your life. Uh, commit yourself to that process. As we slip and as we fail, confess and move on. Repent. <coughs> it's a it's a process. It will it'll take a sanctification. The work of making you holy is what God is doing in you, and He wants to do it, and He will do it um, as you live your life and walk with Him. As for you men as well, uh, as we look at the Scripture today, to remember, um, you, you may find yourself a long way to go. That's okay. Uh, but commit yourself to do what God wants you to do. And lastly, I just want to rem remind you, this is never against each other. Never against each other. Um, men and women were not meant to fight. Husband and wife were never meant to fight. They were meant to partner with one another. And every time, every time it gets to a you against me or me against you, um, that's the work of the enemy. And for you to remember, it's never showing yourself to be the winner. It's the partnership of building 
uh, and you and your husband or you and your wife um, against all the, the things that God has for you in this life. So now we come to the husband. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you. <coughs> Somebody stole my Bible today. Today. I don't know if they did it today, but um, so I'm using a pew Bible. Just a common Bible. Just a common Bible. I don't know. That's what I want to tell you. Same words. And God's word says this. I'm going to start in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives uh, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any other such thing, that she might be holy without blemish. In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. <coughs> God, thank you for your word. We ask your blessing on it as we look at it now. May its power, the spirit, your spirit working in it, uh, in us, change us now. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I have three points this morning for you husbands. Uh, we do turn to the husbands and there's a distinct role. There's a distinct role. And when I, when I say distinct role, there's not a list of things that husbands should do. I, th there might be an ability to make one. Um, there's other things in the scripture that were talked about for believers that we're supposed to do. But when he speaks to wives, he says one thing. And when he speaks to husbands, he speaks to another thing. They're not the same. Uh, this speaks to the roles that each husband, the husband and the wife have, a distinct role. And as I shared with you ladies last week, I, I believe it, it corresponds. <clears throat> excuse me, my voice is a little weak today. Don't worry, I have like three or four different kinds of cop drops here on a bottle of water. Um, uh, it, it corresponds to temptations as well, to weaknesses. And when I think of the weakness of man, that's real simple for me because I am a man, husband. Um, and, and as I think about what I see in other husbands, there's two sins that stand out over and over again. Pride and selfishness. Pride and selfishness. And, and these two sins, uh, drive the sins that we do against our wives. Uh, the things that we would um, sin against her and sin uh, against God in marriage relationship. Pride and selfishness. It's not just in that relationship, but as he addresses 
uh, this most intimate of relationships, he uh, has a corresponding call that would attack pride and selfishness in the life of a husband. What is it? Love your wife. Love your wife. And so my first point today is love your wife. Love your wife. That word love (coughs) is very interesting. Some of you have studied this and you've heard pastors wax eloquent over it for years. Uh, The the word agape or agapao uh, in the Greek. And what's interesting about that word is that it wasn't commonly used in Greek outside of the scripture. It wasn't the word that they would use for love, that, that this was kind of God's word for love, a New Testament word for love. Uh, when you look at the New Testament, it's used all over the place to speak of God's love for sinful people and Christ's love as he went to the cross. Um, this word for love is a, a Christian thing. It, it comes from Christ and what he did on the cross. It's a word that God would use when he describes what he has for us, his love for us. As you think about that, you, you need to realize this, that it's different than the love that the world has for one another. As you consider this, you, you can remember in John 3.16 where it said, God so loved the world. He loved the world. And so what did he do? He gave. He gave what? He gave his son. And as we look at this, we see uh, God the Father expressing this kind of love. Christ expressing this kind of love. And now we see husbands called to express this kind of love. It says, love your wife. This is the counterpart command to the wife, submit to your husband. It fits the man. It fits the man. It fits his selfishness and pride, um, and it challenges that. M- most of the time, uh, man's natural instinct, uh, you know, his natural, the state he was in before the gospel, is to do what? Is to, in, pr- in pride, desire to be above and be awesome. In selfishness, grab for what that which he wants and what he desires. He checks in with himself and he says, what do I want right now? I'm going to go get it uh, because I want it. And yet he's called to love his wife, even as uh, God loved the world or Christ gave himself. You look at this and you consider it. And if you think like, like Christ's love, Uh, In this passage, it's real simple. He says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. As you think about uh, Christ loving the church, um, this is true uh, for Christ as he loved the New Testament church and he went to the cross. But even in the Old Testament, the picture of God's love for sinful mankind, you can see it in the book of Hosea, can't you? You can see it throughout the, the failings of uh, God's people, the Israelites, and their, their sin against and wickedness. What did God do? He loved them. <coughs> I think of these two books in the New Testament. Uh, the book of um, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. If you think about the book of 1 Corinthians, if you've never studied it, it it's an appalling book. 
because you see the sins of a church. And if you understand some of the sins of that church, and if you, you know, you see them lined up and you see them addressed, even so much immorality where one is, uh, having relations, uh, with his stepmom, okay? And it's known in the church and even bragged about and, and commonly a part of it. And you, and you think about that and you go, wow, what a, what a dirty church. You know what? It was a dirty church. Christ loved that church. Love that church. He died for that church. He wanted what was better for that church. He, he was committed to making that church a holy church, even when they weren't. The other, the other church I think of is the book of Galatians or the church of Galatia. You think about that book, um, uh, which church was worse? Which church was worse? I, I would argue, uh, that as Paul writes, it seems like the church at Galatia is worse and worse shape than the church at Corinth. Um, and what was their problem? Well, their problem was spiritual pride. Works. They were working really hard to be good. They, they were talking about how they had done all these things in goodness. I want to tell you that was a self-righteous church. But I also want to tell you Christ loved that church. He's committed to taking, taking that church out of themselves and into a humble relationship. Walking, <coughs> walking in the spirit with him. And so a husband is called to love his wife, love his wife. He's called to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And I would say it this way, the love that Christ loved the church the church was unlovable. And we found him to love that church when she was not beautiful. If you think about that, uh, men, sometimes uh, as we're considering this, this idea of me, me, <coughs> loving my wife as Christ in his perfection, love the church. I, I go, it can't be done. Can't be done. Who's equipped for these things? Who can do it? Not the men here today. No offense. Can't be done. We're not Christ. We are not Him. The point is this, that, that that's the model and that's the picture of what love is supposed to be like in a husband. And by His strength, and as a part of his work in me, I can do that in an ever-increasing way as God gives me strength and as I walk with him. Can't be done. But with Christ, there's this idea that I can grow and learn and be what is impossible for me to do on my own. Well, uh, there's a really... Um, Simple way to say it uh, that's helpful for all of us. <coughs> it says this in verse 25. It says this. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Men, uh, may that be our battle cry. That I as a husband, that I as a husband would give up my life for her. 
Sometimes we think of that, man, as the bodyguard thing, right? The guy knocking at the door. What would you do? Most of you would get your arsenal, right? Bunch of gun nuts at this church. Bunch of them. And they'd say, well, you know, trespassers will be shot, survivors will be shot again, or whatever. Um, but, um, uh, some of you think it's that heroic thing that says, I will give my life for my wife. And that is that. But it's also all those other things too. It's all those other things. They, that it pictures, uh, past tense that Christ went to the cross. He did everything that she needed. The church. He did everything. He completed it. And for us, he calls us as men in a loving way to have that same attitude in a constant way throughout the, the life of marriage that we would give ourselves up or, or lay ourselves down. It's important to remember <coughs> that um, Jesus didn't get killed. Jesus didn't get killed. He wasn't executed. It's not accurate to say that. It's accurate to say he gave himself up. He gave himself up. As Peter uh, desired to protect Jesus and drew his sword, Jesus said, put the thing away. Uh, I, I could have all the angels. I could do whatever I needed to do here. I, I'm not, I, I'm not uh, frail in that I cannot defend myself. I'm the king of kings. I can do whatever I need to do. And in his power and in his strength, what did he do? He gave himself up for her, the church, for this group right here. He gave himself up. It's a powerful picture. Man, it's important to remember, too, that God wants you to give yourself up for your wife. Lay yourself down for her. He goes on to describe what happens. He, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, he says in verse 26 that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her with the washing of the water with the word. And you get this picture with these words that describe a cleansing or a making clean. It gives us a picture. And, and as you think about this, the, the church is the bride. Christ is the bridegroom. And this is where um, the illustration, it's not that it breaks down, but this is not how it is today. He pictures the bride getting ready for her wedding. Uh, there would have been a, a bridal cleansing and then a, a doing of hair and a, a beautifying and a putting on a beautiful gown. And, and that all happens because the bride desires it to happen. She does it on her own. In weddings here, there's a, <laughs> there's a separation and, uh, the, the bride, uh, or the bridegroom doesn't, doesn't even get to see, uh, uh, the bride until she's ready, until she's ready. 
This is different when it comes to Christ. He took us in our non-beautiful state and he made us beautiful. He did the work for us. He did the cleansing that we might be ready for the wedding. What a powerful picture. And he does the work uh, in the bride to make her beautiful. And so that to himself, he might present her holy and good. What a picture. (coughs) And there's a lot that can be said here. We could stay on here for weeks. But I, I want you to understand, husbands, this is very important for you to see, that his laying down of his life and the ministry that continued to flow from Christ for his church was for her benefit, was for her benefit. It was to make her better. And so as you think about your life, husband, and the the steps that you take and the actions that you do, ask the question, is this for the spiritual benefit of my wife? Is this making her better? Is this encouraging growth in her life? Or is this just something that I want? If it's something that you want, you haven't laid down. If it's something that you just think is important, you haven't, you haven't given up. But it's, but if it's for her benefit, for her, that's the picture of Christ laying down. He didn't go to the cross for himself. He went to the cross for her. But get this. As, as she became this beautiful bride, she comes back to present herself to him. There is a benefit for the husband. The benefit of the husband is that he has a bride that is better because of him laying down his life for her. What a picture. So for for a husband, uh, we're to love her by laying down our lives in such a way that it will be for her good. Jesus laid down his life for her spiritual benefit, us being here in the church, and so we should do the same. Second point, verse 28. Husbands, love your wife. Husbands, love your wife. First point was husbands... Husband, love your wife. Second point was husbands, love your wife. Got it? It's a male message today, huh? He goes on to say in the same way husbands, you should love their wives as their own bodies. He moves on to a different reason. He's talked about the picture of uh, Christ in the church. Now he goes he, and, he, and he speaks of husbands, love your wives as your own body, your own body. And, and this, this is, uh, um, the first one was this amazing picture of Christ in the church. And you realize, <coughs> husbands, your inability to be able to accomplish that because the, the, the most amazing thing in history, Christ going to the cross, Boy, you can't do that. And so there's this amazing picture. The second one is the most simple thing in the world. It's it's love your wife as you do your own body. 
I, I would say it this one. It's the easy and obvious one, right? We love our own bodies. There's these things that we do every day for self-protection, uh, for um, self-enhancement, the, the idea that we are doing it for ourselves. And he calls husbands, it's not that you don't care about yourself anymore. It's as you care about yourself, care about your wife. May that be the trigger in your mind and heart of how to take care of your wife. Um, <coughs> most of us don't spend a whole lot of time, men, thinking about caring for ourselves. We just do it. Uh, we, we sit there on the couch and we say, boy, I, I want something to drink. And so we th- say, oh, I'm going to get something to drink. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm hungry right now. I'm going to go get something to eat. I'm tired right now. I'm going to lay down and take a nap. When I think about it, when I think about my needs, I'm going to do it. And he connects that, husbands, with loving your wife as you do your own body. He says, verse 29, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. What a funny word, huh? Cherishing. Love myself. Love myself. Why, why, why do you think? Because I love myself. And it's embarrassing to say that, but it's true, man. Selfishness and pride is, it, it's, it's intertwined in who we are and it's a work of God that we would think outside that. But know this, that he says, because you care about yourself, he says, you need to think of your wife that way. Not love yourself, but think of loving your wife and an extension of that just as you are your own body. Why? Goes back to it in verse uh, 29. He says, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. <clears throat> as, we, as we think about this, he goes to the unity of the church. And he speaks of the body of the husband. And he says, the body of the husband doesn't think of himself and should not think of himself as separate from that of his wife, just as Christ does the church. Why? Because the church is one body. It's one body. And, and, and Christ is a part of that. And so, uh, he says, you wouldn't not care about a portion of your body in the same way husbands do not think of yourself as separate, but love your wife as your own body. There's a few other places in scripture where it does this, and most of the time it's talking about sexual relations or marriage. Um, <laughs> but, if you see in verse 31, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Where's that from? Book of Genesis. Where's that from? A couple of weeks ago, right? When we talked about the partnership of marriage, the partnership of marriage is in creation, right? That's God's design. And so he's connecting your love husbands with that partnership. Why would you not love your partner? 
Why would you not love your, your partner that you're perfectly united with, that you can't separate? <coughs> There's many diseases that this is probably true, but the one I think of most is cancer. Cancer is an awful thing. Many of you have experienced it. You've lost loved ones. You, you're struggling with it even now. But, but cancer is a weird thing. It's because part of your body is fighting with your body, right? It, it, your, your body is killing your body. And that doesn't make sense, right? And I want to tell you, neither does it make sense, husbands, when you don't love your wife. It, it doesn't make sense that you would not serve and lay down your life for your wife. It doesn't make sense. Why? Because you're one body. One body. I want to tell you, I, I realize that arguments happen. Shocker, huh? I'm shocked there's gambling going on here. Um, uh, in marriage, it's tough to get along. We know why, too, right? We know why. Two sinners saying I do, right? Uh, uh, and told to live together, right? Wouldn't be so bad if we didn't have to live together, right? You know, we could, we could make big commitments, but it's the relationship thing, right? That makes us tough. Um, uh, <coughs> it's difficult. It's tough. It, it, it's this thing that comes together. It happens, but I, I want to tell you it shouldn't. Why? Because you're one body. You're fighting against yourself. And so as you, you find yourself bumping up against each other and having different priorities and thinking differently, uh, think in terms like this. How can we partner? <coughs> How can we work it out? How can we fight against the world that hates our marriage instead of fighting against each other, which is part of the enemy's plan? So we remember husbands. This isn't me against her. It's us. It's us. There's a partnership. There's a unity. We are members of one another. We are, uh, as Genesis says, we are one flesh. We are one flesh. And I just want to tell you that, if I could say it this way, men, self-care, when we take care of ourselves, should trigger us to for love and care for our wife. Should trigger us. When we see ourselves taking care of ourselves, we go, oh yeah, my role. I'm not I'm not one and she's the other. It's we are one. And so my self-care should trigger me to remember her needs and to lovingly care for her. Third point, verse 33. Husbands, love your wife. Got it? Says it again. Remember I told you last week that uh, the wife's portion is like this. The man's portion is like that. It's three of the same points over and over again. So this is six times, actually. I could have had six points. But um, this idea of loving your wife. Verse 33, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. Some of you say, well, I don't love myself. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. 
your priority number one, priority number one for yourself. <coughs> and so as you ask, and as that comes naturally, that, that we are, are born to take care of ourselves, men, husbands, love your wife in the same way. Love her as you do yourself. Think of her as that top priority. Paul reminds women in this passage as well, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Verse 33, verse 33, it's the perfect marriage. It's the perfect marriage. They say, well, how's that the perfect marriage? It's so simple. It's so simple. Husband, as you love your wife, as yourself and have this picture that has been described of, of laying down your life for your wife, of serving in a loving way and thinking of her always and, and being willing to sacrifice. Guess what the wife will love to do in response to that? She'll love to follow you. She will respect you. The difficulty is this, that there's kind of a wall in between those two things. The husband has his responsibility. And it's not contingent upon the wife doing her responsibility. <coughs> and the wife, she has her responsibility before the Lord, her call. And it doesn't mean, uh, unless the husband doesn't fulfill his role. I want to tell you, the perfect marriage is those two doing together. And you know what will be? It will make life easy for you. It will make marriage easy for you. And as I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, make marriage easy for your husband or your wife. When you make it difficult, <coughs> you're encouraging them to not obey God, to not do what God has called them to do. I want to give three uh, recap points here this morning that will be helpful for you. Hopefully, will be helpful for you as you seek to um, apply this. First one is this. There's two ways. There's God's way or the American way. I mean it. God's way or the American way. As you look at this picture of love, where does this come from? It comes from the scripture. It comes from the picture of Christ going to the cross. It comes from God sending his son to die. That's where you get this word love. And, and this is the word and this is the picture that is drawn upon. That's God's way. Or you have the American way. American way is just get what you want. Grab what you want. One writer said it this way. He said, uh, love in the American culture and outside of <coughs> God's way says this, I love myself and I want to get you. I want to take you. I want to have you for whatever I want. I love myself, but I want to have you. That's not the picture what God has shared here. The picture that God has shared here is that love means laying down your life. Is God's way or the American way? Second point. Um, marriage uh, can be thought of as self-serving to love your wife because it's good for you. Uh, people have joked, you know, happy wife, happy life, right? 
uh, that, that, that's not completely accurate. Uh, because Christ did for the bride what she didn't even know she needed. Right? He laid down his life for his bride before she even realized her need. I want, I want to tell you that this kind of living, men, is good for you. It, it'll, it'll bring sweet peace to your home. It, it'll be God's blessing to your marriage and to the generations to come. And so as you consider this, <coughs> sometimes we're selfish and sometimes we're driven by pride, but in your desire to have a great home, men, lay down your life for your wife. Then lastly, just to say it again, the command is to lay down, not to fight for what you want. Not to fight for what you want. Men, uh, sorry to confess to you and uh, make life difficult for you at home, but um, you're driven by self most of the time. I'm driven by self. And most of the time, uh, I'm fighting and frustrated in my marriage and with my kids or really anywhere. It's not because I'm fighting for justice and truth and God's way. Most of the time I'm fighting for myself, wanting to win for me. Remind yourself over and over again, this is about laying down, laying down for the sake of my wife. Please join me. God, I ask for your blessing on these marriages here. Ask that you would um, give great manly courage to these husbands. <coughs> that they would walk with you. May their pride not hold them back. Uh, may they seek you and uh, find the strength in you uh, for the steps they need to take. I ask for uh, wives that are, are following their lead that there would be a sweet quietness in the home of encouragement to one another, that love would flow, and that you would be honored in the homes here. God, where there's healing, where there needs to be healing, Lord, I ask that you would grant it, um, that you would make progress in the marriages here at Bear Valley Church, that all would point to you, the great work that your son did on the cross. God, thank you for your church. Thank you for our marriages. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. We'll see you next week.